0: This is the Horse Radio Network.
1: This is episode 237 of the Dressage Radio Show on the Horse Radio Network. Brought to you this week by Fleeceworks, EasySignsOnline.com, and Equisketch.
2: This is Reese Coppler Stanfield from Georgetown, Kentucky.
1: And this is Philip Parks from Fergus, Ontario, and you're listening to the Dressage Radio Show with our producer Glenn, if he's still here.
0: Yes, I am. I'm still here. (laughs) I haven't left yet.
1: I thought you might have left because we were messing around too much. Yeah, (laughs) he was out of here. It is getting to be a late (laughs) night here, guys.
2: I know, I know. How are you today, guys?
1: Freezing? Warm? Yeah,
2: I think so. Uh huh, Glenn. We're we're just gonna mute you. I don't know how to do that, but I'm gonna find out. Whenever we talk about the weather, I'm just gonna start to mute Glenn for a minute. Um, yeah, it's very cold. It's very cold here. It was like nine degrees this morning, and that's very rare for Kentucky at this time of the year. So, I, Philip, like I can't even imagine what it's how cold it is. Actually, there.
1: I think it was warmer here than you're talking about there.
2: It's very. cold. I, I always
1: have trouble doing the conversion of Celsius Fahrenheit, but yeah. I mean, it, it was, was about the same, probably. It was about <laughs> the
2: same. Awesome. Yeah, it's very cold here today. So I'm hoping to have a warm-up. Um, well, we
1: yeah. have some cold-weather tips coming to us this week, we too. Do. So Yeah, like- I was... Especially. Yeah, we
2: have Dr. Anna Hitchborn is going to be on the show today. She's um, she's a, a good friend of mine, and 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 those of you that were on Facebook and saw my ribbon wreath, we got some uh, people wanted to see how we made it, so she's going to come on and talk to her to us about that. And then while she was on the show, I really wanted to have her give us some cold weather tips. Because um, I think it's really important. And honestly, you know, as we were trying to decide what to do for, were we going to brand mash? How are we going to get extra water in the horses today um, or not? I thought this is a great time to have, um, you know, Dr. Hitchborn on to, to talk about some some tips. So we have have her coming on later on the show.
0: Can I mention something? Can I jump in here? Of course. <laughs> jump in anytime. Yeah, we <laughs> have. Uh, <laughs> wait, I just wanted to say we've gotten some listener questions. One of the. F- Favorite things for listeners that we do every year, especially listeners that have been with us for four or five years, is we do an all-hosts episode Christmas week, and they're asking if we're going to do the all-hosts episode again, and the answer is yes, we will do the all-hosts episode, we're recording it next week, and that, for, for new listeners, that's an episode where we get all, what, eight? I think yeah. of, of the hosts of <laughs> the Horse Radio Network day. on one show. <laughs> Everybody starts drinking, and we just have a good time. So, well, yeah, it was kind of like
1: our uh, was a company Christmas yeah, party. Yeah, it's a company Christmas, Christmas party. Thing, That's right? a good Christmas
0: way to put party. it. That is that is good. Um, <laughs> like we all get
1: it. together, right?
0: Yeah, except
2: nobody can it. get
1: in trouble because we're not in the same place. So, <laughs>
2: exactly. and we're not the newbies this year, Philip. I'm really excited. I know.
1: Last year was our first year. We we're all like, "What was going to happen?" But now I think we can. <laughs> Our own will be fine. Yeah, so, we'll be
0: fine. We'll um, be Glenn, can,
1: can our listeners send in questions and stuff? Like,
0: yeah, they could. Yeah, stuff? yeah, sure. I mean, we if you have yep. questions for any of the hosts or all the hosts that you want them to answer, we're going to put out some calls on Facebook about that too. Uh, just send them in to Glenn with two ends at horseradionetwork.com, and, and we'll ask him on next week's show. Philip and Reese will be there. We'll have uh, Helena from Stable Scoop. We have Jamie from Horses in the Morning, Coach Jen from Horse Tip Daily. We have Tammy and Alan from the Western Radio Show. It is a full house. Yeah,
2: it is going to be a It'll fun be busy. House.
0: It'll be fun. It's fun. It was really fun last year. Yeah,
2: so. it was a really good time. Really fun.
0: You know, we did that. We've done that every year since we started the Horse Radio Network. Uh, I think the first year there were two, three of us maybe. And we. so this is, I think, I have to count it up, but I think it's our sixth year doing the All Hosts episode. So. Wow. And I've heard from many <laughs> listeners how it's their favorite show of the year because it's just all of us just goofing off well, we hope you know? we
2: don't disappoint yeah, <laughs> we disappoint. hope we can we can live up to that hey year, you get sure. alan
0: in the same room as jamie and that kind of thing <laughs> yeah yeah
2: it's good it's good <laughs> i love it well we're looking forward to it next week and um we will let you guys know how it goes and we hope you listen to it um during the holidays and it's great it gives us all a little bit of time off which is
0: always lovely and you have a, you have a trainer tip today and also a listener question right we do. We have a full house. We're today, gonna
1: try so and get to it all this yeah, week. Yeah, you know, we're gonna we get are. to it all. We're coming up to the holidays, but- we want a clean house with our. <laughs> we got a few listener questions we're trying to get to, so we're gonna try and, you know, knock, knock them off and uh, and get them done. So that'll be fun. What are we starting with?
2: That'll be great. Well, real quick, I'm just gonna. Um, I have some sad news, and and oh, horse yeah. people are really wonderful at um, at helping each other out. And in a young lady, Laura Steck, who worked for me in Florida, she was my working student. Uh, her her barn um, burnt down this week, and um, if anybody has items they would like to donate Perfect. or help us, we're just. She lives in Nebraska. And um, she, you know, they don't have a barn. And it's the holidays and it's Nebraska, so it's very cold. Um, So they just need some help with some items. And, and, you know, as we all know, uh, Laura was able to get, God bless her, to get all the horses out um, before the fire department got there and and the barn went up. So all the horses were fine. All the animals were fine. She and her husband were fine. um, But they lost everything in the fire. So if anybody um, would like to get in touch with me, uh, you can email me at at resethorseradio.network.com and I would love to pass on her information. We'll have it in the show notes and they need really anything that you can provide. They will be very thankful for. So um, thanks for letting me talk about that and we wish her and her family all the best as they rebuild their farm. So but um, on, a, on a fun note, we are looking forward to a great show. So right after this commercial break, we're going to come back and everybody's going to see how I did. Uh, it was a little bit of a craft project with my friend, uh, Dr. Hitchborn, and then we're going to talk about how to manage horses in cold weather.
3: With Christmas season fast approaching, it's time to start planning a custom gift that will last for many years to come. Visit our friends at easysignsonline.com and browse their unique website for their many custom sign
0: options and styles. With affordable prices for customized signs starting at $39.95, your holiday gift giving just got easier. Their step-by-step online sign ordering process allows you to choose only the sign options you want and see all the pricing up front. From horse farm entrance signs, vinyl banners, magnetic vehicle signs, to stall nameplates, and much, much more for every horse owner.
3: They ship to every state in the U.S., so take advantage of an additional 10% off coupon to all Horse Radio Network listeners. Simply mention HRN13 when ordering. That's HRN13, a $75 order minimums for discount. Cannot be combined with other discounts or coupons. Free shipping also applies to most sign orders, so see the website for details.
0: Place your order early to allow plenty of time for Christmas delivery. Check out the website today at ezsignsonline.com. That's ezsignsonline.com or call them at 1-800-640-8180. That's 1-800-640-8180.
2: Well, I am so very excited to have my friend, Dr. Anna Hichborn, on the show tonight. So, Anna, we're going to start. Anna is, is our wonderful trusty vet, um, and she also is my friend. So, uh, if anybody was watching our Facebook this week, um, Anna and I, Anna is extremely crafty, and um, she came up with a really wonderful idea. So, we're going to talk about, in the beginning, a little fun, and um, how we did our craft project. And then we're going to move into a little more serious topic on how to um, – it's very cold here I'm in Kentucky, so I'm sure it's cold in most places, especially Canada. And then we're going to move into kind of just some general tips on how to take care of your horses in cold weather. So, Anna, welcome to the show. Hello. Yay,
4: hello.
2: <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for coming on. So, so talk, So, I guess the whole story of the ribbon wreath, you made one, and I came to your house.
5: Yeah, I made one for my own horse. I actually got the idea um, from... I was looking through a restoration hardware catalog kind of dreaming and it was actually the background of one of the, like one of those props they put on the background of the, you know, fabulous furniture. And I was like, I'm pretty sure I can make that.
2: (laughs) It it was awesome. So so, you inspired me, which was so good.
5: (laughs) So, um, yeah. And I had a bunch of ribbons laying around. Um, you know, once you graduate from the little girl room where your room is, you know, lined with all of your 4-H ribbons, et cetera, and they just end up in a box. You know, you have a couple special ribbons that you want to display, and um, I think it's kind of a stylish, you know, mature way to hang up and display your
2: ribbons. Hang
1: on, hang on. My room is still lined with ribbons. <laughs> my, is that okay? So is, is that all right. one okay? It's my
2: office. I'm sitting in my office, and I'm like, oh, I, I do have ribbons <laughs> <laughs> in my office. Oh yeah, ribbons
5: everywhere. I'm 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 like, did, I thought okay. that was good okay. decorating.
2: <laughs> no, it is. It is good tips for
5: decorating, but like you know when you have like all your 4H ribbons from first place to sixth no, place and true. all the pinks <laughs> and greens now we have now we have adult ribbons like our wonderful Wellington ribbons and world show ribbons and
2: you know those ones are good, <laughs> and I'm not going to lie. So, so I had this great idea for Denali's first show season. I wanted to do Denali's ribbons. Well, um, I I didn't take over a few of the fifth place and the few of the fourth. We only did one, two, three. I'm just going to say that's why my ribbon wreath is one, two, three because we only yes, did that.
5: Your ribbon, your ribbon wreath has the three colors. Mine is all the <laughs> colors, in it. so.
2: And yours is beautiful too. We're going to have to get a picture. So so Anna, how do we, I, I'm going to have you explain because I was like, I don't know how I'm going to explain how to do this. So talk to us about what you do to make this ribbon wreath.
5: Okay. So you don't need uh, very many um, craft supplies or skills in general know-how um, to make this. This is a pretty easy, this would be, um, I'd say skill level of one to make this. <laughs> well, well,
2: wait a minute. <laughs> I thought that this because it was
1: hard for Reese, so don't it say was, that. Yeah, it was not
2: like, hard for Reese. It, she, it was she, not. She, I would once got once once we, got, once we got going and you showed me, gave me some confidence. It was like a you know a little bit of a kindergarten project for me for a minute. But um, oh, no, I, I, I did good. not. I did not own these craft supplies, so I had to come to your house. So, what <laughs> supplies do we need for this particular right, so, making a so what you'll need is you'll need a foam uh,
5: foam form wreath. You can get them at Michaels, Walmart, any craft supply store will have them, um, and they come in a lot of different sizes. I think ours are. I think you had either a nine-inch diameter or a twelve. I can't remember. I think mine's a twelve. Um, it was 12. And they either come they either come with like the round sides on them or a square side. And we both use the square side ones. I think that they're better to make the actual ribbon lay flatter. Um, the other thing you'll need is a glue gun. Um, and we use the high heat glue gun. Um, I think yeah. the low heat glue gun's okay. I think it will probably melt your styrofoam a little bit less. It does <laughs> burn when you get it under It, your hands. it, it hurts. Right. And then, of course, you'll need your ribbons. Um, how many did you bring over, Reese? Because that had, was almost I, the perfect number.
2: Yeah, I had a decent-sized bag. I probably brought over, um, oh, I don't know, uh, fifteen to twenty, probably. Okay. Maybe one, two, three, four, five, six. Yeah, I have.
5: I have about ten on mine. I think.
2: Yeah. So, okay. so ten, so, ten to twenty. It, it kind of depends on how you you lay it on the on the wreath. So. That's okay.
5: great. So that's. That's basically all you need. You need a good craft space, a place that's going to be safe to set your glue gun down on. <laughs>
2: <laughs> I did try to burn Anna's table at one point. I didn't realize I was doing that.
5: So you don't melt <laughs> anything. <laughs> um, and, then, and then you're basically ready. So we started out by taking um, some scissors and cutting the tails off of the florette part. So you basically disconnect the round part um, from the, I don't know, I guess they're tails, right?
2: Yeah, I think that sounds right. Or streamer, tale. streamer, tail, you know, yeah. the, the stuff that hangs down. Cut it's that off.
5: <laughs>
2: <laughs> so, once we cut the
5: uh, the streamers off the florets, we separated them into um, the pile that had the words on it and the pile without the words on it. If your um, if your ribbons say like High Point Champion or whatever, we we kind of separated those out, and I'll tell you why, and then um. The florets, we took the little metal parts, the little metal hook you use for hanging them. We ripped that off, and it's pretty easy. You just basically rip it off. There's nothing graceful about it. You won't see the back. It doesn't matter what it looks like. So then um, we took the pieces of ribbon that didn't have any words on it, and we basically just wrapped those around the whole wreath. Now, the trick to wrapping it and making sure it lays flat is to kind of drape them at an angle. And the way we did it was by anchoring one end of the ribbon on the back side of the wreath. And you kind of have to be patient and hold it on there so that if you pull your ribbon around, it's not going to pull your glued side down off of the wreath. And basically, do that. I make sure I would overlap the ribbon so you don't have any of the white foam sticking through. And that's basically your first layer. Now, um, that's. That sounds good, right, Reese? There's no Yeah, no, there.
2: that's perfect. Yeah, no, that's perfect. And you wanna, you know, glue the glue the one piece on to, onto the foam. It will kind of melt the foam, so be ready for that. So yeah. just kinda glue it on the foam and then you wrap it and then you arrange your next pile, which is the words, right? You arrange the words sort of however you want them on your wreath. I I did um I did like I think five different ones. So right. You wanna make you wanna
5: decide um, what part of the wreath you're going to be able to see? Because you're going to arrange the floret part, the little circle part, on either the top or the side of your wreath. So you'll want to wrap your the ribbons with the words on it. You'll want to wrap those so you can see. Like if you want to see the word high point, you can wrap that over your wreath uh, over the um, the ribbons without the words on it. You, and whatever part, like if if one of your ribbons with the words on it says a show or a year or a high point or first place, then that's a good opportunity to show off that part. Um, and, and yeah. And the other thing you can do is if you have any areas where there's a foam showing through, you can use your ribbons to cover those up. So or kind of a, a mess up. Of, yeah, yeah or a mess exactly. Up, which I, mean, I had. It's, really, it's,
0: the beginning. it's a
5: good way to patch any spots like, Maybe there's a ribbon that's a little wrinkly and you wanna patch that up, you can that's where you kind of go back and cover up all your oopsies with your with those <laughs> ribbons.
2: <laughs> yeah. It is perfect. So for the final part, the, the coup de gras of the ribbon wreath is how you arrange the florets, right?
5: Right. So I what Reese and I did was we made clusters with our florets. Um, and this is part of the the artistic part of it. Um, you could probably you could take your florets and you could evenly distribute them around the whole wreath. Um, you know, if you had four that you thought were pretty, you could do one and all like make it, you know, in all four quadrants of your wreath. But what we did, like we said, was make a cluster. And if you did that, I would make sure that they were all oriented so that if your florets were hanging in the bottom right corner, you want all your florets Um, the words kind of oriented the proper way but it really it's easy you just glue just glue them directly on top of your ribbons Um, and and that's kind of the part to have fun with is you just you can layer them on top of each other you can you might end up covering one up so I would start with a bigger one on the bottom so that you can glue some of the smaller ones to the side I mean that's And it's just fun, and and there's really no way to mess it up. No, (laughs) there's no way to mess it up. Just kind of be patient, take your time. Um, You know, if you don't like something, you can just pull it off. It's it's not the Olympics. It's just hot glue.
2: It's no big deal. <laughs> yeah, and you, you will survive. You may be a little hurt from the from touching it because I know now. Um, <laughs> but it's really fun, and and we didn't. We were. We've been talking about doing it all year, and and it just happened. We did it sort of in holiday time. But it would be a great gift for your trainer or or a fellow barn mate. Uh, it's it's really great. Mine is still in my house. I it, it's meant to go to the barn. Um, but it's still I'm, I still have it very proudly. Um, in my house, um, displayed, but, uh, it was really fun and, and, definitely something that I would encourage anybody to do. And if I seriously, I am no Martha Stewart. So if yeah, I can do it, anybody can do it. So it was great fun. So Anna, thank you for describing how to do that. <laughs> You're welcome.
5: And, and there are pictures of it, um, around. <laughs> I'm sure someone has conquered it on Pinterest if you needed some more pictures. Um, but yeah, like I said, just have fun with it. You can't mess it up. Just, go for it.
2: Love it. Well, Anna, to more, to a, to a serious topic and what you do for, for a living, you could probably do crafts. You're that, you're that good, (laughs) but, um, you are, you are a veterinarian. For Equine Medical Associates here in Lexington, and we and actually fine. met last year. You were you were the vet that helped us in Florida, and and we became fast friends there. And <laughs> um, you know, I, I was thinking, and I wanted to take advantage of having you on the show tonight because you know we have had very cold weather for Kentucky. I mean, I think it was nine degrees here last night, and I, it really made me think you know either get do we needed some refresher course or just some tips um on how to manage horses in cold weather especially if you're still trying to ride and and kind of keep them exercised so um if you could kind of talk to us a little bit about that that would be excellent
4: sure
5: i am um, uh, you're going to make me work now i see i know um, i'm sorry <laughs> i think that the uh, the most important thing about wa- about winter riding is water just like in summer um, I think it's not it's not as intuitive in the winter, but water is one of the most important things about the winter. They don't always want to drink because they're not as hot. And I think any way that you can kind of entice them to keep drinking, it's going to help you in terms of colic. Um, you know, when they get dehydrated, they're more prone to impactions and things like that. Um, and some ways that I do that, when when my horse's Uh, It kind of hit the winter months, I start supplementing their grain with soaked alfalfa cubes. I'll soak, um, I'll just soak two plastic scoops of alfalfa cubes with a full bucket of water and they, they really eat it really well and it keeps them drinking, it keeps them hydrated and it adds a little bit of bulk to their feed because another thing that's equally as important as the water is you just want to make sure that they're maintaining their weight. Um, My horses are big fur balls, and if your horses get a good winter coat, um, and I hope they do, if they're outside, you want to make sure that they're keeping their body weight um, up around normal. And, And it can be a little bit deceiving when they get really furry. You might not see ribs. You might think they look fat, but they're really furry. And it's pretty important to go run your hand over their body and see if you can feel ribs or shoulders or hips that are maybe pointier than they should be. So, I think that when you feed a soaked beet pulp or alfalfa, I think all that that is good for the water intake and maintaining body weight, supplementing maybe. They're not grazing as much or your grass isn't as good. I think that's pretty important.
1: And I had a and question it, for you about all this yeah. um, because it's gotten really cold here very recently, a little colder than normal. Um, okay, Canada, you know i have got a you? variety of horses like horses that are clipped and horses that are um you know in at night at and out during the day and 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 then horses with no blankets and are outside all the time. What is a good way to kind of how do you tell if your horse is cold you yeah, know when that's you know how how are you going to determine oh, maybe <laughs> maybe at this point this horse needs another blanket or or maybe the horse is too warm like i th- I think some people have a tendency to over blanket and you know yeah. put layers of four blankets on, you know, when the horse has already a good coat on? Like, uh, how do we determine sure. how warm our horse uh, our horse is at, at any given point?
5: Sure. So, I, I think that's a great question. And a lot of people um, talk about that and think about that. And fact it's a conversation that goes on in my house every day. Um, I think that it's important to remember that horse's natural body temperature is higher than yours. So they're naturally prone to be more weather hardy than the average human, especially me because I'm cold all the time. <laughs> I think I think horses get cold when it's below forty degrees and it's raining. Other than that, I think they're pretty. They they take care of themselves pretty well. The as long as they've got a good coat and they're able to move around, I think the average dry horse is, is fine. I think when you get into a clipped horse, those horses are good. I think that's a good case to keep a blanket on a horse when they're clipped because you've taken away that natural cushion of warm air around them that their coat provides. Um, I think older horses probably have a harder time regulating their body heat. I have a 21-year-old horse um, who was raised in Florida and then lived with me in Georgia for most of his life. And when it was 12 degrees this morning, I put a blanket on him. Now, I think maybe that was more for, for me than for him. <laughs> but you have to remember the way that their digestive system is is set up, they, they have such big internal organs and such a big digestive system that they basically have a huge internal heater running all the time. So as long as they're adequately fed and have a good hair coat, they're fine outside as long as they're dry. And and even when they're and even when they're wet, they stay pretty dry underneath their top layer of coat if they have an adequate hair coat. But like I said, the clipping the clipped horses I think they need to be blanketed. And my cutoff for them if my own horses, I think forty and below, they need to have a medium weight blanket on outside.
2: Uh, that makes sense. And and what is it just, you know, sometimes, and I have no idea if this is right, you know, I'll stick my hand in there, in the blanket, and feel if they're warm. <laughs> I don't know if that, or if their hair's standing up, and then I think, oh, maybe I need another blanket, or maybe they're sweating, you know. Uh, you know, I try to kind of just stick my hand in their blanket. I don't know if that's a good yeah. way to do it. no,
5: that's a great way to do it, and you've got to be careful. If they're sweating, That you, you need to maybe pull, it off, pull that blanket off and put a cooler on them because the sweat's going to have the opposite effect. It's just like going to the gym and getting sweaty and then going outside, you're like a hundred times colder than you would be if you weren't sweaty. I think it's a little self-defeating if they get a little sweaty under there. But it's a hard thing. I think that people think horses get colder than they do. And I certainly, you know, I grew up with show horses and I remember, you know, if it was below 60, my horse had a blanket on. And now I think, Gosh, I bet Willie was hot for a lot of the times that I was cold.
2: <laughs> so. And, Anna, what about electrolytes? Is that something that you should give or not give? or when When is that a good time to give electrolytes, or should you give them?
5: I think, well, you know, Reese, I'm a big fan of electrolytes when it's hot or when you're shipping them, and they might not be drinking and eating as much. I think electrolytes are good for race horses, endurance horses, adventing horses, horses that have a really, really high demand. Um, the average horse, when it gets to be 106 degrees in Lexington and we're getting ready for summer shows, I think that's a great application for electrolytes. But during the winter, when they're eating and drinking normally and they're just in their normal working routine, I think it's icing on the cake, but I
2: don't think it's something that you have to do. Okay, that, make, that makes sense. No, that's good. Well, perfect. Well, Anna, thank you so much for all of your time from crafting. And by the way, I learned how to do a surgeon's knot while we were crafting. Anna That's was doing right. another project. That's right. We and just showed me how to do a surgeon's knot. You never know with Anna; she really is she is an all purpose lady and very very talented in many levels. So, Anna, thanks so much for coming on the show. and And how can our listeners find you um, if they need any more uh, veterinary advice or crafting? I'm sure you'll do both.
5: Oh, crafting
2: your veterinary advice. Let's see. I, well, they could, uh, if they're friends with you on Facebook, they can see uh, my stuff on Facebook too, right? I, I think so. I'm not yeah, technologically. <laughs> well, or you tagged I think me in the, in the fabulous picture of the refinery. That, that'll be perfect. Well, thank you, Anna, for all of your time. And um, we will do another craft project sometime soon. And uh, we'll, we will show our listeners so they'll know this wasn't a fluke for me.
0: Glenda Geek here. The life of horse person is hard enough and we all hate doing the required paperwork and unfortunately many of us never get around to it and it just piles up on our desk. That is about to change thanks to the EquiSketch Records app for your iPhone or iPad. My wife and I use it to track our horses and we absolutely love this thing. EquiSketch Records is the most thorough and complete equestrian records app on the market today. We love this app because you can track your farrier work, your dental, your Coggins, medicines, worming, and so much more. And you can get reminders on your device when all of these things are due. You'll never forget a worming or shots or farrier visit again. But it not only tracks your horse, you can also manage your horse shows, including individual events. You can manage riders, including lessons and memberships, and so much more. And you can sync it between your iPhone and your iPad and all of this for the price of a couple of cups of coffee from Starbucks. Search for EquiSketch Records in the iOS app store or go to EquiSketch.com. That's E-Q-U-I-S-K-E-T-C-H.com. EquiSketch.com
4: top dressage horses are like athletes there's a whole team of people involved
0: in their training from-
3: it's time for the dressage radio show weekly training tip brought to you by FleeceWorks, designers and manufacturers of top quality pure australian merino wool saddle pads and accessories for your
2: equine teammate Well, I am very happy to, uh, this evening for our trainer tip, introduce um, Melissa Allen. She's a USDF certified instructor. She's a bronze, silver, and gold medalist, and she has Melissa Allen dressage in Kansas at Hidden Oaks Horses. Well, Melissa, start with our trainer tip of the evening. I'm looking forward to it.
6: Well, my trainer tip of the evening is for adult amateurs to really understand what connection means. And by that, I mean when you hear your instructor say, "More forward, more forward," um, forwards a direction. Um, the direction is going in that direction, forward, not backwards. It doesn't really explain what it means to have a horse connected. And so my tip would be for everybody to understand that connection comes from the activity of the hind leg over the back, down the base of the neck to your hand. And by that, I mean that there's really more activity in the hind leg rather than just going in a quote-unquote forward direction. In other words, you could take 10 steps forward or you could take 20 steps forward for an active hind leg versus just a more lazy leg, per se, in a forward direction. So I want to be able to explain to people how you can really activate your horse in the hind leg, and that helps create the connection to a nice soft hand and we say that but the hand also needs to be elastic it's a give and take with the mouth of the horse so it's more of you think more of an alive connection rather than just a dull connection or one that's not even there um like the conversation we're having you know you talk I talk uh, the same goes for the bit ring um it's not one person doing all the talking and it's not dead silence either <laughs> yeah so kind of going along those lines so everybody kind of gets a mental picture in their mind and um i always i always tell my students it's kind of like a bouncing ball that's going in a forward direction um rather than a a moped that's stuck in the dirt going down and and in the same direction
2: no i
1: think that that's that's Melissa, can you describe some exercises and some stuff that will help people with the with creating this connection
6: absolutely um What I have a lot of my students do to be able to feel it is on a 20-meter circle, really being able to feel that your inside leg is on the horse at the girth and really feeling that the forward connection from the active hind leg goes to the outside rein. And the inside rein is simply there for suppling and bending, um, but the outside rein's job is to tell the horse how long of a frame the rider wants him in as well as helping control the outside shoulder, so that when you use your inside leg, the horse doesn't fall out the outside. Transitions on a 20-meter circle from trot to walk, making sure that the trot is with a purpose, that you're trotting for a reason, and that it comes into a nice walk transition that's crisp and clean and active at the same time. The walk has to have a purpose, that you're going somewhere. And doing walk-trot transitions helps a lot. Doing trot-halt transitions, so that you really are able to ask, the horse to step under with his hind leg, and then a crisp transition out of that to trot. So nothing is ever lazy, then there's no hesitation. When you put your leg on, the horse has to react and must react in a forward manner to really get the crispness of the hind legs that we're looking for. Another exercise is shoulder in to a walk or halt, maintaining the shoulder in position back to the trot. This increases the inside hind leg up underneath the horse's body, so you're able to activate that inside hind leg even more by doing transitions. And you can do the same transitions in canter, canter to trot or canter to walk transitions. Those types of transitions come from the inside leg. You want to feel like you have a chute between your legs and you want the energy to go straight between your legs, but you want to feel it come up the outside range so that you really feel the shoulders staying up and in balance and level.
2: No, I think that that's a great, a great, you know, a visual and, and a feeling. So tell us a little bit more, like when you feel a horse is connected, you know, feel is one of those things that we can talk about all day long and what you feel and what you describe is different. But can you tell us a little bit about, you know, what do you feel when the horse is connected?
6: Sure. When I feel a horse get connected, um, I feel, first of all, the activity of the hind leg is, is elevated from when I, like, say you warm up and the horse is just loosening its muscles versus when you're really getting into the work, that you should really be able to feel the hind legs quicken behind you. In your hand, you want a nice connection. You want to feel the horse's jaw, but you don't want it heavy and you don't want it non-existent. So basically what you want to be able to feel is that you can, you can use your ring fingers and your wrists and your elbows in suppling the horse and being soft in your body and soft through your arm down to the horse's mouth, but that the horse is pliable in your hand, that I could flex a little to the outside and flex a little to the inside. If I don't quite feel the horse enough into my outside connection through the body, I'll, I'll sort of tip the ear to the outside, so to speak, so it's not an overbending to the outside, it's simply just being able to work that jaw a little bit and be able to say, can I straighten my horse, can I flex him to the inside, can I flex him to the outside, and by flexing, that's sort of the, if you picture mentally what I'm saying, is the ear tips a little to the inside and the ear tips a little to the outside, it's more working the jaw and the pole, not necessarily overbending the horse's neck from his withers forward. You want to be able to feel like you can have that horse pliable in your hand. Once you feel like he's pliable in your hand, then your horse is connected. But you must have the hind leg coming through in order to get that feeling. I think a lot of people focus on the horse's quote-unquote frame or outline, but they forget about the hind legs. And that's what creates that connection is is the activity of the hind leg and the push from behind and forward. And any horse can do this. Any horse can achieve it. It's not just the FEI horses um, or, you know, you talk about young horses. Young horses can start to learn how to to be more developed in giving you that connection where they meet you in your hand and they're soft. But you, again, keep that connection alive that you can play a little inside and play a little outside and you feel them really give to the jaw and through the pole. And until you feel that, your horse is not honestly connected.
1: Can you give us a little idea about the difference? and uh, We talk about this a lot, but the difference between activity and speed because it's, it's hard for... Um, you know, introductory riders to understand that difference that we, we don't necessarily uh, want the horses to be running around the arena when we, ask the, when we ask them to go forward or when we ask the hind leg to get quicker. It's, you know, again, there can be a lot of problems with uh, horses that are rushing around. Maybe you could talk about that for us a little sure, bit. Sure,
6: absolutely. The biggest difference for me in, in tempo versus activity is the fact that the horse in a, in a quicker tempo. Uh, Go back and go to I can rewind back to the steps. You know, you can can walk 10 steps in a line, or you can walk 30 steps in a line. The activity comes from the bending of the joints. So if you have a horse that's going to be fast in the tempo, and they're just moving their legs kind of up and down like a sewing machine, you're going to have a faster tempo than you would with a horse that has a more active leg and really comes underneath itself and pushing. And I, I, when I picture an active leg, I picture the thrust of the hind leg and the push forward to the hand. And when you have a quicker tempo and, and a trot per se, and, but they're still slow and they're not really coming under and their pelvis hasn't rotated under, they're not pushing forward that's when you get more of an up and down movement with the leg. And I've seen a lot of horses that have a lot of activity up and down, but they're not really coming under. And there's a big difference there because up and down doesn't necessarily mean more ground cover. And so when I think of an active leg, you do have more ground cover. Now, saying that again, I'm going to increase the tempo on a horse, say that's doing a canter pirouette. I'm going to, I want the, the canter, hind legs to be quicker in tempo but they still have to have the sit they still have to have the active hind leg it's just where you're putting them for me in that type of situation that makes the
1: difference can you maybe describe um, any um, training tips for getting activity instead of speed or instead of faster tempo when we talk about I think this is really important for training level and first level horses to understand that because uh, I think we can all make horses a little bit fast and a little bit nervous, um, yep. but that's not necessarily showing a lot of carrying power, or or it's not helping the horse to understand to put the weight on the hind leg. Is there is there anything that you use um, for your own training that helps with that?
6: I do. I do a lot of lateral work when I when I have a horse that has a, a tendency to be faster. Um, I usually nine times nine point nine times out of ten find that there is tension, and and the tension is what causes a lot of the the, uh, tightness in the back, which prohibits the horse from being able to come under and take a longer step. So a lot of lateral work, and our lateral work like um, leg yields, uh, shoulder ends, head to the wall leg yields, anything that's going to help the horse cross its back legs, um, be able to really swing through the pelvis. Um, when you picture a leg yield, it, you know, the shallow leg yields, some people get from point A to point B, but they're doing it very quickly, and the horse never does cross its legs. Take that back to the walk and make make the walk leg yield, really feeling like you can cross that inside hind leg over that other, the outside hind leg so that you start teaching the horse to become laterally supple. When you're able to have a horse that's laterally supple, you can put the leg wherever you want it. And I think a lot of times when you have tension in the back, that lateral suppleness really comes through and it really teaches the horse that it can move in a different way. It can be soft through the body. And like I said, you know, normally when I have a horse that's tight in the back, you have the faster tempo, you have the running, um, the racing. So you want to create horses that have a natural tendency or that come from tension to move that way you want to be able to teach them a different way of moving in other words you want to be able to say you can move bigger through your body and step more under through your body and I do that with doing lateral exercises the other things I can do from the walk that are good turns on the forehand um, turns on the haunches those all create the horse to step over and then you start to learn where the horses feet are you start to learn where you want to put the leg, and it teaches the horse where you want to put the leg. And I think that's where a lot of people succeed um, and have horses that are naturally quick like that, and it also helps relieve the tension. And once a rider feels that they can relieve the tension through the horse's body, it always opens up the horse's body, and they always want to move in a different way, and and it's a completely different feeling than just sitting there and riding what the horse gives you. You're telling the horse where you want him. And I think a lot of horses respond to that really well because a lot of horses don't know. You push it forward, it goes, okay, I'm going to go faster. And, And so by teaching it to say, no, I don't want you faster, I want you longer stepping, so that the stride gets longer, you start dictating where the horse is going to go, not just in a direction, not just a 20 meter circle. Literally, you're dictating exactly where every foot of that horse is going to fall.
1: I say those are really good points, and I think you know when you're teaching lateral work, a lot of riders that have a little bit of trouble with with contact and connection. Where this kind of conversation started, I just wanted to kind of bring it back to that. Um, is that, you know, a lot of times you have to ask the horse to wait to go a little bit sideways, you know, a little bit yeah. in the leg or the shoulder in. And that helps the rider understand that a little bit of contact, you know, um, can help the horse to understand and help the rider to um, direct the horse where they want it to go. So I'm glad you brought up the point about doing that lateral work because lateral work, you know, you, you have to kind of, steer a little bit more you're not not necessarily pointing the nose where you want it to go but really just create a little bit of resistance to help the horse understand just don't get faster off the leg but go you know a little sideways a little bit over here or a little bit over there and through that i think they can they can uh, really learn to bend and and use your bodies and all those great points that you were talking about so i just wanted to kind of add my two cents to that
6: And coming back to that, again, you know, moving a horse laterally, it is about, you know, whatever's going on behind the saddle, in front is where you feel it. Um, You know, I kind of say it's kind of stupid, but it's funny because everybody remembers it. You know, you can sit in in a car all day long and turn the steering wheel, but if you don't have an engine, you're not going to go anywhere. You know, and it's sort of the same thing. If you're not paying attention to what's going on behind you or if you're not able to feel what's going on behind you, um, then you're going to have a tougher time in the connection. Once you start feeling like, okay, I can feel the inside hind leg step over, then your outside rein comes into play. And then you're able with your inside rein to say, okay, bend a little bit and supple a little bit. You know, they all work together, but it starts in the hind end. And if you have a horse that's moving quick, um, you can ask them to wait. Sometimes you have to slow the horse down to teach them how to swing, And I think that's the misconception. It's not just that you have to run the horse off its feet or do a leg yield in a fast tempo. You have to be, you have to have the horse adjustable. And by adjustable, I mean really listening to your seat. And I think that's where riders really need to understand that they're the ones in control. Every time you're in the saddle, you're training. And so being aware of what's going on underneath you is the first step. Being able to fix it is something else. But being, paying attention to where and what you're trying to accomplish is going to to just skyrocket your riding because once a rider realizes, "Oh, my horse is running, I need to slow it down and then ask him to move sideways so he can learn to swing. not just do a leg yield for the horse that's going really really quick behind, or the other version, a lazy horse where they're on the ground so long, and you know you even have really nice movers, but they're really long, they need to learn how to quicken and come shorter. All of these exercises help that. So either situation, you have great exercises that you're able to put your horse into that will help for different reasons.
2: Yeah, no, I love that You just brought in the lazy horse. I was going to bring that up. That was going to be my next comment was, you know, I think a lot of people, a lot of riders chase a lazy horse. Instead of them getting quicker off the ground, they just get faster. And that's that that is a huge problem when your trainer may say slow down. Well, actually, they don't necessarily mean slow down and have your horse be behind you or be lazy. They just mean that you're pushing the tempo too much and the horse won't be able to get quicker behind. So I love how you brought that in, because I think that that is a you know, your horses are either one or the other. And so it's nice to be able to kind of have a way to, to think about both.
6: So that was great. I mean, we would all all love to have the perfect horse that has the perfect tempo and the perfect (laughs) rhythm. And, you know, I mean, that would be great. Um, It's not our ideal world. Um, And there's a lot of amateurs that do not have uh, five days a week with a trainer watching them. Um, And for those riders, I highly suggest you have a buddy, a husband, a friend, whatever, video you. And really watch how your horse is moving. Is it slow? Is it a slow mover? It can be fancy. But it also can be slow and, and covering too much ground. You're in, they're on the lazy side, but, you know, those long, lofty legs are not going to get you to the FEI rank because you be, have to be able to shorten the horse. And if you picture your horse 12 feet long, it needs to be 10 feet to really collect. You know, you have to be able to, to start packaging your horse and that all starts with the hind leg. And then, again, what, ha- what happens in front of the saddle is a result of what's going on behind you. And so I think, you know, like I said, those exercises can help either horse um, in either direction. But, you know, for an for amateur, even if it has a trainer, to do a video is very eye-opening Um, you see, oh, my left hand's up a little more. Oh, I'm leaning forward a little bit. Oh, I need to do this. Oh, I need to do that. Oh, my horse isn't crossing over. Oh, wow, his tempo's faster than I really thought or it's slower than I really thought. You know, and there's so many educational videos now and tools out there for people to be able to look at and compare to that I really find that very helpful. I mean, I video my students all the time because I want them to see what we're doing and how it changed.
2: And I think that's huge. Oh, I think that's great. I think that's – and, and uh, it was actually – we brought it up this uh, last week in the instructor certification, how even having an iPad or, or a cell phone that you can just take a quick video is sometimes yep. very helpful. And so I love that tip as well. That is yeah. great.
6: Yeah. Well, and, and for us trainers, it helps us because it's like, okay, I really did tell you a lot to put your hands down. <laughs>
2: <laughs> yeah. But sometimes, you know, like you said, you can say, say it and then the light bulb goes off and it's, and it's great. So. Right. That, right. Great tips. Well, Melissa, thank you so much for coming on the radio show. How do our listeners find you? Uh, Melissa Allen, Tressage.
6: I have a website. Um, I do clinics in the Midwest as well. Um, but I, you can on my website is my email address, my phone number, some videos um, of me riding some horses, so you can see how I ride. Um, and, and just give me a call or shoot me an email.
3: Fleeceworks manufactures pure Australian Merino sheepskin and Merino wool saddle pads and accessories. Their pads produce a vital thermal balancing layer to pull excess moisture and heat away from the horse's back allowing muscles to work at maximum capacity without overheating. Fleeceworks Australian merino wool is breathable and hydrophilic, able to hold and store 35% of its own weight in liquid. A longtime staple of the medical field, Australian merino fibers have no equal when it comes to delivering a temperature-controlled, pressure-absorbing layer. The Fleeceworks philosophy? Minimum bulk, maximum performance and they have a variety of anatomically correct pads incorporating technologies and designs that address the individual needs of every horse and rider. Ask for Fleeceworks saddle pads and accessories by name at your local tack and feed store or visit them online at fleeceworks.com.
1: Well, I'm really pleased tonight to be able to get to a listener question. We love the you know getting them in, and we always encourage people, but we've got a few a little bit on Backlog, so uh, hopefully we can catch up really soon before the new year and uh, and get to all these questions. So, um, the first one here that we've got is uh, I'm just going to read the email. Okay, there's no name on this one, and that's fine. So, um, it says, I ride at first level. At homeschooling, I can do every movement in my test almost every time, and even in the warm up rings, things go pretty well. I feel confident, and so does my horse. But when we do a test at the show, we start out just fine. But after even a tiny lapse in concentration, I can't get it back together. For example, if our transition from length and trot to working trot is a little sluggish, the remainder of the test seems sluggish. Or if his shoulder is out through a corner, our next three movements, I have a crooked horse. Help me out. What do we got here, Reese? How are we going to fix this?
2: Yeah. Well, this is a common problem. <laughs> and, and I'd like to say that, you know, I'm always perfect and ride great tests and I never have this problem. Um, and I would be lying. Uh, let's face it. So, um, you know, my first thought with this is I am, I am a fan of practicing the test and, and maybe you're not practicing the test exactly how you're doing it, but you need to know some areas that are going to be tricky for you so that you can ride through them at home, but you can also do your mental preparation for it. So you are prepared that if his shoulder goes out for example in the corner or in the lengthening or or whatever you feel is sort of your major pitfall. I think it's really important to ride through that in your head and troubleshoot it in your head but also in training. So I think um for me I would this have this rider we would ride the test a couple times and maybe you're showing first level test 3 for example you don't just have to ride first level test three. You can ride first level test one and two, maybe second one. I mean, it, it sometimes it's just practicing yeah. the test movements as you're going to do them in the horse show. And it's very common. I think, you know, we all ride around at home, but it's very different when you go down the center line. Um, and I've also even had people, I mean, we go to schooling shows and we have a nice schooling show circuit here in Lexington. And, and we're pretty lucky in that sense. Um, But when we go to schooling shows, we are dressed, the horses are braided, and there's a reason for that because it feels different. You know, even if you shine your boots a little differently, or you're wearing a different, your different britches that you wear every day, or maybe you have your show boots on and you haven't had those on. So when you get into the horse show, I try to minimize all that kind of different feeling. That's number one. Then we also do our mental preparation. Really practice that. I think that that's important. And practice it, not that your mental prep is always perfect. You know, practice. What if my horse breaks um, to the canter in the lengthening? You know, think of some things that you're going to do because you've got to be able to do them without circling or, you know, taking five minutes to get back on your line. You have to do it. And that's the hard part of the test. So that is one of the things that I would encourage. Um, And just really be ready, be prepared You know, you should always be showing a level if you can. It's not always ideal. Sometimes you can't do it, but showing a level under that you're schooling at home, so you should be really proficient in the in the in the test. Um, So that's kind of what I would do, Philip. What are some some tips that you would do?
1: Um, Well, I I see this issue uh, a bit in some. I would say this is kind of a timid rider problem and what happens when we get down that sutter line and we're in front of a judge we forget to make corrections and or or what i you know why i kind of put it um to my riders is uh, don't forget to ride
2: yeah yeah you know i think we yeah. all just get
1: a little bit frozen up there and then we mm-hmm. say you know for example this um this lengthen trot to working trot you know sluggish transition give the horse a bit of a kick you yes. know, or if you're holding a whip, if you're if you're used to riding your horse with a whip, and you're you know, don't just hold it, right? I think if you make a correction, I don't see you know most judges you know, are um, not going to not gonna have a problem if you just make a quick, you know, kind of instant little correction with that whip. I mean, you know, you don't you're not going crazy and getting aggressive with it, but it's you know, I always say with a whip, it's like it's there for a reason. Go ahead and use it, right? Or horses that get a little fast, or horses that do this, or horses that. You know, uh, throw the shoulder to, you know out in the corner. You know, don't be afraid to say, Hey, get that shoulder back in, right? Like, really remember that, you know, uh, a test is just, uh, you know, you get scores and you get judged on your riding. So don't forget to ride. That's what, how I try and put it in a simple way. And I think a lot of times, and I, and I see this with my own students, is it goes in and it's going great, da, 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 and then there's a little problem and, and they don't do anything about it. And then it does, it gets dragged mm-hmm. out over four, five, six, movements that it never needed to happen. It's okay to say, you know, make a correction. Maybe that one movement is a little ugly, but if it helps the rest of your test or the rest that's going on, go ahead and do that, right? Or, you know, and I see this, you know, with horses that start to do the same thing, get a little slow in the test or get a little sluggish or get a little fast. And the rider refuses to make that correction in the ring and then it gets worse every single time. Because then the horse kind of goes, oh, I know that while I'm in these, you know, in, in this little white ring, my rider doesn't do anything and I get away with a lot of stuff. And and that's that can be a little problem that gets to be a bigger problem. So I say that, you know, I say don't forget to ride Get in the ring, make the corrections, and you know, even if one movement is a little ugly, the rest maybe are going to be better. And you know, that's all I can say about that. I mean, you, you do a lot yeah, of preparation no, to get perfect. in there, yeah. and you know, in your preparation, you might be doing all those <laughs> corrections and doing those things, and then and then getting a little frozen in the ring. So, um, you know, no, ad- adding that to your to your uh, to your tips, I think uh, I think you can have a great test if you just remember to do that, and maybe that test you know maybe if you make a correction there might be some problems but the next time if your horse remembers that you're not riding you know like you are you aren't riding you know you can help the next test that's going to happen you know a lot of times like you said just going to schooling shows and just you know not just saying like okay my score is going to be what it's going to be it's not the world championships i want to really get in there and uh, remember to ride and and show the judge that i know what to do right because you know i think you know, I'm not a judge, but I think from judges' perspective, they don't want to see a horse take over and just do the rest of his test on its own without a rider really being effective, right? So right, right. No,
2: that's quite exactly. two cents
1: on that. Maybe Love that'll it. help your problem.
2: I hope uh, so. I hope hopefully. it's all fixed hopefully. and we're ready we, for we, next show we, season. Yeah, perfect. <laughs> Absolutely. So good luck. And thank you for your for your tips. We love it. We love emails. Um, we're, we are. We're a little backlogged. We love that. So we will try to get to everybody's um, emails in the next couple shows. So keep them coming. We love it and appreciate it. And everybody, you can find our show notes and links to today's guests on our website, dressageradio.com. You can like us on Facebook. Just search for Dressage Radio Show. Follow us on Twitter at Horse Radio. My website is maplecrestfarmky.com, and my email is reese at horseradionetwork.com.
1: You can find me at philipparksequestrian.com, and my email is philip at horseradionetwork.com. Don't forget to check out all the other great shows on the Horse Radio Network at horseradionetwork.com, and I'd like to thank our sponsors for allowing us to put on a great show this week, and that's about it.
0: Hey, guys, how about we do something a little different and play the show out with a Christmas tune? Christmas Times are coming by Templeton Thompson.
2: Everybody, keep your heels down and your shoulders back, and good luck Christmas shopping in the next few weeks.
0: Can't
4: you hear those bells? Can't you hear those bells? Can't you hear those bells? Christmas times are coming, Christmas times are coming, Christmas times are coming, and I know I'm going home, snowflakes are falling, my old homes are calling, tall pines are humming, cause Christmas times are coming, can't you hear those bells ringing, ringing joy? times are coming Christmas times are coming Christmas times are coming Can't you hear those bells? Christmas times are coming, Christmas times are coming, Christmas times are coming, and I know I'm going home. Christmas times are coming, Christmas times are coming, Christmas times are coming.